You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us in person or online, or if you're seeing this later, uh, however you're joining us, it is um, such a wonderful, and it's a gift to be able to do this. As we know, we have not always had the ability to do this every week in the same way over the last few years, and so even at our prayer meeting this morning, that was a lot of the tone and tenor of the prayer was just thanking God that we can gather together can worship. We can like sit next to each other and uh, read God's word and study it together in this amazing space that God has provided. And so i um, glad that you're here and that you're joining with us on Sunday um, to worship and study God's word. Um, if you've been with us over the course of the last few months, you'll know that we just got done spending the summer in a series uh, going through the book of Psalms. And it was eight weeks, and we dug through, you know, a, a psalm a week, uh, looked at what it meant and studied it, but really asked the Lord how we might grow in prayer. And um, it was a really neat summer where we got to pray corporately and learn different ways and that we can approach God in prayer. Um, And it was an incredible time. And what not many of you know is that today we're starting a new book to go through on Sunday mornings. So I'm really excited. You know, kept it a secret. Didn't really mean to, but we're going to announce it today. Um, But, you know, here at Reality... We, we do series time, you know, from time to time, but over the course kind of our history and kind of our DNA is really to go through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter on Sundays, kind of an expository model. Again, you can teach the Bible a myriad of different ways and they're all great, but for us, kind of our DNA, where we came out of and what, we, what we're used to and where we see um, God leading us is really to start a book, and usually it takes a while to go through it. If you've been here, like, usually books take like a year to go through. And, you know, you just, we just go through slowly and chew on it and dig in and just, and just don't rush it because we just want, we just want to dig into God's word and get the most that we can out of it. And, um, and I love reading a, a Bible, a, a, you know, going through a book of the Bible in its entirety because there's such rich context and the setting of the audience, and um, there's so much that you get when you don't just do a series. Um, again, we've done series also, different purposes for that, no problem with that, but um, again, we are excited to be starting a new book, and so today, I'm excited to announce that we are going to be going through the book of James. So the book of James, um, if you've read it, you're like, oh wow, we're going to the James. Yes, it is going to be an awesome time. Um, we're starting today, and again, like I said, We're only going through one verse today, just real slow, just intro. Um, But we're going to be taking the next few months leading up to Christmas. Um, Every Christmas, every December, we do an Advent series um, where we look at the the birth of Christ and the anticipation of that. And so from now until then, we'll be in the book of James, again, a few verses a week, get through all five chapters in the next three or four months. Um, As a form of homework... Again, you're like, wow, what is this church about? So write it down, put a reminder on your phone. I would love, I'm not going to read the whole entirety of James today. Again, I'm reading one verse. But it's only going to benefit you and benefit us as a church if um, 
just spend this week, like spend Monday through Friday, chapter a day. Just Monday, just read James 1 or audio book it. It's like literally not that long, five minutes. Just pray that God would speak to you. But I just challenge you, encourage you, give you some homework this week. Uh, Read the book of James in its entirety because what I want to do today, again, is not read the whole thing, but just give a brief introduction to the book, uh, what we can expect and look forward to in the next few months, and then spend time praying that God would minister to us through his word, specifically in this letter written by James that we have uh, in the New Testament. And so today, um, we're only getting through a whole one verse, the first one. Uh, Let's read it, and then we'll pray and kind of get into an introduction. But it says this, James 1.1. If you're unfamiliar, it's right near the end, guys, right near the end. Right after Hebrews is the book of James. Um, Love for you to join with me in reading it in your Bibles, or if not, have it right on the screen here. But it says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Again, this first verse is very introductory, who wrote it, who he's writing it to, but uh, it gives us a great place to start with. And so let me pray over our time today. God, thank you for this new season, this new chapter, this uh, looking to the fall right now where you're going to have us on Sunday mornings. And for many of us, as whether we have kids that are, went back or are going back to school, or we ourselves are students going back to college, or we're teachers and, you know, the school year's starting up, it is a new season. It's a new chapter for many of us right now. And God, we, we don't want to miss out. God, I want to pray that we don't miss out on what you have for us the next three or four months. Especially for those of us that are Christians that have been doing this a long time that maybe just know James really well. I pray that we would not tune out. I really believe that you have good things in store for us, not only today, but over the next few months. And Lord, we just pray that today we would have a better understanding of the letter and the book that we're reading so that we can get the most out of it. And so, God, would you speak to us? Would you use me as your mouthpiece? Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, there's a few reasons why uh, any book of the Bible is great and wonderful and amazing, but here's some some reasons why I think this is fun and and exciting that we're studying this book. And so, a little historical context here. Um, The reason why this is inviting for several reasons, the book of James, is to begin with... Biblical historians believe that this is actually written before the Council of Jerusalem in 49 AD. Let me tell you why that's important to know. It means that this is probably the oldest of the 27 books that we have in the New Testament. So, right, the New Testament that we have has 27 books, uh, you know, mainly letters. There's the Gospels and there's narratives, but there's, there's mainly letters written to these churches, the formation of the early church. And what is pretty much agreed on is that this letter that James is penning that we have here... Uh, We have it in the form of five chapters right after the book of Hebrews, but it's actually the oldest of the New Testament books. And the reason why this is neat for a lot of us that love the Bible is that it's written even before Paul's writings. And we normally think like a letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. And you'd be 
more, than, more often write. I think he was 13 or 14 of the books of the um, New Testament written by Paul. But what's neat is that James, which we're going to see, discusses the subject of faith and works independently from Paul's teachings. And a lot of times that's not, you know, it doesn't happen. Paul writes something and a lot of people build off Paul. But again, James was written before Paul. And if you read James and Paul's letters together, they don't contradict each other, but they rather supplement each other. So it's this neat book that we have. Um, and it's, it's, it's very much an instruction manual, and, and it's, it's, James is just telling us how we ought to live and how we ought to be. Um, and if you were going to compare it to Paul's letters, you could say that James approaches faith subjectively in the sense of trust or confidence in the Lord, while Paul explains it objectively as the instrument by which a believer is justified before God. Again, they don't contradict each other, but they, they complement each other. Um, this epistle, or this letter, epistle is just a fancy word for a letter, uh, that James, he, he enlarges the practical understanding of faith. And so if you are a very practical person, like you just... It's hard for you to live the, in the ethereal or sometimes spiritual concepts are hard or how do I live as a Christian? Sometimes those, those thoughts can be really ethereal and lofty for you guys that are very practical. Like just tell me what it looks like to follow Jesus. James is as practical as it gets. Let me just, he's just like, let me nail it down to you. Um, so that's going to help you. But again, to compare... James and Paul for a second, especially for our, our Bible lovers in here. Paul is practical, but normally he be begins with like this big theological argument, and then he gives pr practical exhortation from that theological argument. But James begins like right off with just a series of kind of do's and don'ts. Like just, just this is how you should, and this is how you shouldn't do everything. And again, Paul's going to bring some theological underpinnings of why that is. But James is like very much to the point. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he pulls some punches like, okay, wow. Like you're just, you're direct. Um, and I get it. And so that's, that's kind of the, the tone and tenor of the letter here. And this letter is filled with dozens of bits of wisdom. Uh, a lot of people compare it to Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, which we actually just studied like when we regathered, because it's just a series of all these really potent and, and powerful truths and exhortations and um, like one after another. But this letter is filled with dozens of, of bits of wisdom and practical ways in which we as Christians should live very tangibly and how to apply our faith to everyday life. Um, one author by the name of E.J. Goodspeed described James's letter as this. He described it as the letter being like a handful of pearls dropped one by one into the hearer's mind. He's valuing these truths as pearls. And he says James is just like one after another where he's just dropping these powerful uh, pearls of wisdom, so to speak. Um, but if we were going to boil down what the book is, because this is the introduction Sunday, as a dominant theme, it's this. 
It's that faith that is real works practically in one's life. Like, if your faith is genuine, it's going, you're going to see the fruit of that faith practically. And meaning, true faith is a faith that works. Like, there's actually genuine fruit, and, and uh, you can see, and you can hear, and someone's speech, and someone's priorities, and the way they think about things is affected because their faith is genuine. Right, a big thing is going to be like, faith without works is dead. He's very to the point. He's like, if your faith isn't bearing fruit and seeing the works of Christ, then you actually don't have a real faith. It's just very, like, confronting. Right? It's very confronting. But again, we're going to see that there's a, a real, um, there's a reason for James's urgency and his writing style because of, again, who he's writing to and the context they're living in. But what James does and what we can look forward to in these next few months is that he shows us um, how to have a living, visible, productive faith in the midst of a really broken world, which is literally what we need right now. How can we show and tell the good news of who Jesus is in the midst of a really broken world? And James is like, let me tell you, I got five chapters of ways in which your faith can be played out in your workspace, with your family, with non-believers, with believers. I mean, you name it. Like, this is how your faith can be played out. And it's a helpful barometer. It's a helpful plumb line to go, oh yeah, I can see why no one would know I'm a Christian. <laughs> or I can see why that conversation really showed Jesus. And James gives us that barometer or that plumb line. Um, and in this respect, uh, it's significant. This brief book has 54 imperatives in five chapters, meaning uh, imperative being like an action to be taken because of a stated truth. Because of this, do that. When here, do this. Literally 54 times, James calls our faith to action in five chapters. It's a very it's not a passive book. It's very active. Um, James is a do this, do that book. But here's why that's good. If we take it to heart, this will like drastically affect our lives on every level. Like if we actually take it to heart and if we're willing to not be the same at the end of our study. Like if we're willing to just come with open arms and admit we don't have it all together and we have room to grow. And we, and we come with, with open hearts and we're like, yep, my speech could be a lot more Christ-like. Or my attitude or my witness. Like there's room to grow. I want to grow, Lord. Then this can be a really powerful book. Because week after week, right, it's, it's allowing God to refine us and grow us and make us more like him. And so, again, I just want to look into this one verse, say a few things, and then give some application here. But James's brief greeting in verse 1, right, which says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus, to the 12 tribes scattered, he says, greetings. It serves as a really good introduction um, to the author and uh, the audience and his kind of his pastoral focus. And so it is very important that we understand who this James guy is. James the man. So I'm going to talk about that first. You might know, might not, that he is the actual blood brother, the half brother of Jesus himself. 
Like, it's pretty incredible. Like, half-brother of Jesus, the gospel mentions this in Matthew 13 and Mark 6. And here's what we know of him. Even though he grew up with Jesus, he was a non-believer. He did not believe in anything that Jesus was saying for uh, quite a while. John chapter 7 says that. But during that 40-day period, right, between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension to heaven, um, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that Jesus appeared to James and to all the disciples, and James believed. So all of Jesus' public ministry, all those three years doing all those miracles and all those teachings and all this that happened, James' brother, half-brother did not believe died on the cross, rose again, and in that 40-day period before Jesus went to heaven, James finally comes to faith. And he doesn't just stay in that position. He gets really involved. He gets really active. God uses him in incredible ways. Um, What we see from Scripture is that James is mentioned to be in the upper room in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit falls upon the church. He was a part of that 120 people when the, the Holy Spirit came upon the church for the very first time. Um, and he was present when the Holy Spirit descended on the church, right? Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit descended. Um, he would go on to become a leader of the church in Jerusalem, and, um, he would eventually be the chair of the council of Jerusalem. I mean, he was in senior leadership in the very first Christian church in the capital city of Jerusalem. And what makes this letter so potent, even more than that, is that James knew Christ, as you can guess, only a few could. Like James, for years, grew up with him, right? Ate at the same table, shared the same house, like played in the same places, watched his older brother grow up. I mean, think about the humanity. I mean, that's a real thing. Jesus is all, you know, fully God and fully man. And so James, his half-brother, is growing up in the same house, seeing Jesus develop. And when he truly came to know Christ, even though it was late in the game, a lot of people believed even more than, you know, quicker than his brother, all that time spent around Jesus wasn't wasted. Um, James, historians gave James actually this nickname, James the Just. This, This... half-brother of Jesus that wrote the letter today, he became so pious, so religious, so about Jesus and the church that historians say that he would go into the temple for hours at a time and pray that, that those in the city of Jerusalem would be forgiven of their sins. He was on his knees um, to the point that he had calluses on his knees, they said, and so he got the name James the Just. He became a fervent advocate of God's grace for those that didn't know it. And um, yeah, he got the nickname James the Just. In addition, I don't know if you caught it, but it's interesting how he introduces himself. Knowing that he's the half-brother of Jesus, that he's had really more time spent with Jesus than any other person, I think it's so interesting how he addressed himself. Because you didn't know that in the greeting, right? He said, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he could have said a bunch of different things, right? And it would have given him a lot of credit. He could have said, I'm the 
brother of Jesus, from the, the mother of Mary. I am the leader of the church in Jerusalem. You know, he could have brought all this accolades to himself. But again, James the just here, this pious, religious, humble man that had truly been transformed by the power of his brother Jesus, even writing this letter did not allude to his status, but he was content with just being a servant of the Most High. And I, I'm just going to say it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. When you, when you want to convey an important truth to someone, what do you do? You always like bring your like, why you should listen to me. Why I'm important. Why I'm this. What I've done. But James doesn't do that. James just is clearly being used by the Lord in the most humble way. And he said, I'm, I'm just a servant of the most high God, just like anyone else. I mean, it's just a neat thing to know. But again, what's his, what's his focus in this letter? Even from the greeting, we can tell by who he's talking to, right? So James is pastorally, right? He's a pastor of this Jerusalem church to the 12 tribes that have been scattered. So you have to understand that since that time at Pentecost, if you remember when we studied the books of, book of Acts, Everything was going well. The church was gathered. It was growing. People were getting saved. And then persecution came. And the church in Jerusalem had to scatter for the sake of their life. And so he says, the 12 tribes that are scattered, right? The 12 tribes of Israel who were who, those that got saved, started this new church, the formation of the Christian church. But, but because of actually Saul who would be Paul the Apostle, right, the persecutor of the church, and many others. Persecution came to the church, and these Jewish believers had to scatter, and they were scattered all over Mesopotamia, all over the Mediterranean, Asia Minor, Northern Africa, into Europe. And they were scattered. These are new believers. They don't they haven't known Jesus for long. They, they haven't been believers for very long at all. And now they're scattered and they're on their own. But it's complicated because they're believers. They're, they're Jewish believers. They believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah. If you know anything about Judaism, that is not a popular topic. That's the big difference is that, you know, Jews don't believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah. But Messianic Jews believe that Jesus was. And so these are Jewish believers that have believed Jesus is the Son of God. Now they're scattered. And what's happened is now they're outcasts. They're away from their homeland. They're away from Israel. They're away from their people. They're away from their traditions. They're exiled in these foreign lands. They're not accepted by Gentiles because they're Jews. And then the Jews in the lands are like, dude, I'm disowning you because you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're people without a land, without a place, without a culture. This is who James is speaking to. Because again, these are his people. These are Jewish believers in Jerusalem that have been driven to northern Africa and Europe and Asia Minor. And so he's speaking to these displaced Jews, Jewish believers. They're homeless, like they're disenfranchised. They've been robbed of the possessions they have. They've been hauled into court. Gentiles don't like them. Jews don't like them. 
This is a bad situation. Many commentators said these Jewish believers that Jane was speaking to had less standing than slaves. Because even slaves had a master or even slaves had a place to sleep. But these Jewish believers are just scattered without a home. They become religious, social, and economic outcasts. And it's to these Jewish Christian brothers and sisters that Pastor James sends this letter. And with that, it's going to be pretty significant even like next week what James says in his first imperative. Okay, let's just for a second. We're going to get into next week, but here's a sneak peek. With that in mind, what is James the first thing he says? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You're like, James, you're not even, you're not even being empathetic to their condition. Like, you know who you're speaking to. But that's the point, right? We're going to get into, he's speaking, his letter's going out to these disenfranchised exiles and outcasts that, that barely have a grasp of who Jesus is. And even next week, we're going to get into, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy because of who he's talking to. But again, we're going to get into it. I don't want to jump there. We're going to get there next week, but it's so applicable for us today. Because we all are going through trials, and we all need that encouragement. But here's what I want to do, and kind of how I want to leave us for today, is that in light of this background and the framework that we're heading into, kind of know a bit about the letter and who James is and who the audience was, this is how I'd like to prepare ourselves. Um, and posture our hearts. And again, I'm speaking primarily to those that will be regularly attending either in person or online over the course of the next few months. I'm not saying it's a waste that you came if you're just visiting. It's not. But again, I'm primarily, I want to speak pastorally to you in the same way James is speaking pastorally to to his church, Um, to the people of God, to Christians here in Hawaii, gathered here. I, I want to pastorally go, God wants to speak to you. Like, God wants to refine you and grow you, if you'll let him. Like, there are really good things God wants to do, and there's places he wants to bring healing and restoration and growth. He he really wants to. And, And we're all set up for it. We got his word and the Holy Spirit, and we're all ready to go. But we're not gonna get the most out of it if we don't come with a posture of receiving, if we don't come hungry to change and grow and to receive, then, then we may miss out. And I've seen this over and over, and it's really sad. But there can be like radical moves of God going around you, and you can just miss it. Because, right, you're just unwilling or not receptive or... You feel God leading you and you just don't do anything with it or you push it away. And I mean, it happens to all of us. But I do believe that like there's a real three or four months coming up and there's a real word of God and the spirit wants to move. And, and that if we're not aware that we can miss it, right? This fall, God desires to move in our church and in large part, part wants to do it through his word, through the book of James. And um, again, this letter was intended for a specific audience with a specific goal. 
But here's what's neat is that this letter is also for us, just as much today as it was then. We are a people that live scattered amongst those that do not believe in Jesus. They do not believe this is the word of God. They do not believe what we believe. And so there is real uh, relatability. It's very applicable. Even though our jobs are different than they were back in ancient Israel and our families and the culture, this very much is for us today as it was then. And I think I just want to, um, instead of just looking at church the next three or four months as you come every Sunday or you come when you can, to really go, oh God, so the God of the universe that created it, that sent his son, wants to speak with me. I think that'll change. I think that'll change our mindset. If we posture ourselves, even if it's quick, like I know for me sometimes it could be as much as like you're, you're walking up the stairs and you're like, God, just prepare my heart. I want to receive all that you have. Like it could be that easy. Or it could be even more structured of like the God of the universe wants to speak to me on Sunday. Like, he really does. He actually knows me, and he knows what I'm going through, and he wants to minister to me, and he wants to grow me. And so, God, do it. Do it. Right? That's very different than, like, I'll just see what happens at church today. You're like, okay. It's just different. And I I believe that God wants to do a lot, and, and also it's this tandem work where, like, how much do we want? And a lot of these areas that's going to bring up aren't, like, easy or, you know, it's not easy to consider it pure joy in all trials. Who, it's not, that's, that's, there's nothing easy about that. And so that is going to take some, like, surrender and some, like, okay, God, sh- sh- help me because I don't, that's not me. I think all of us could say that's not me. So then we got to go church. Okay, so August 21st, next Sunday. Let's pray that this week we have open hearts to receive from God so that we would be a people over time that we can consider it joy in the midst of any trial. And again, that's the Holy Spirit at work. That's God in us. Like that's, that's us just saying, God, I can't summon that power or that joy. There's no way. But you can. You can change me. You can refine me. You can grow me. You can free me from my stress, anxiety, and fear, and all the things that stop me from being joyful. You can do that, Lord. Do it. Do it, Lord. So as a church, as we head into worship right now, I just want to encourage and exhort all of us, including myself, to be really intentional at receiving from God this next season. But be intentional. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But it's not that hard to just, and the next time you walk into this room or you can't make it and you watch the sermon online to go, God, I want all that you have. Make me more like you. I guarantee you do that even half the Sundays. It, it will drastically change you to become more like Jesus. And so church, let's be excited for what God has. Let me pray and then we'll enter into some more musical worship to end our time together. God, we thank you that you love us so much that you, you really want to meet us through your word and by your spirit every week. 
This is not, um, this is just like so what you want to be about, Lord. And God, I pray that we would also like meet you there. We would take it to heart, that we would come with open hands and open hearts. All of us are works in progress. All of us don't have it together. And a lot of us don't have a lot together. But that's okay. Because you want to meet us where we're at. You want to grow us and heal us and refine us and make us more like you. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would have your way with us, even right now, that in this time of worship, that we would respond to you in how you've moved or spoken or, or whatever's kind of ministered to us, that we would respond to you now in worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.